السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته بسم الله والحمد لله والصلاة والسلام على رسول الله وعلى آله وصحبه ومن ولا قال رف الشح لصدري ويسر لأمري وحل الأقدة من لساني يفقه قولي اللهم زدنا علما After praising Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sending salutations upon Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam Alhamdulillah, thumma alhamdulillah, this is our eighth lesson and like I've mentioned previously this will be my last session and the reason for this is that my section alhamdulillah we covered whatever needed to be covered and Basically, today's lesson is the last of the information that needs to be shared with regards to the history and the visiting of certain places in Mecca and Medina. And today, Alhamdulillah, we left with the last and one of the most important points. And this is our visiting to the Prophet, peace be upon him, Masjid. And last week, Alhamdulillah, we discussed the Masjid, we looked at the pillars, we looked at the Rawda, Alhamdulillah, and things like that. But today's lesson is going to be a lesson where we discuss a few Masail, a few issues, where also we discuss the visiting of the grave of the Prophet the visiting of Baqi, making salah in the masjid, etc., etc. And the first thing that one needs to look at is that when coming to Medina or visiting Medina, then know that this is of the best and noble places after and know that Medina itself it has a lot of sanctity it has a lot of holiness and one needs to observe the best etiquette when you are in the city of Medina and my beloved brothers and sisters in Islam know that Allah Azza wa Jal through Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam he gave us a stern warning with regards to doing evil or committing evil or innovations in Medina. Abu Huraira radiyallahu anhi narrated that Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam he said that Medina is a haram, Medina is a sanctuary. So whoever commits evil or whoever innovates therein, meaning in Medina, or who gives protection to an evildoer or someone that innovates, the curse of Allah and the Malaika and all of mankind will be upon this person. Allah will not accept any obligatory or nafil, right, or nafil deed from him on the day of Qiyamah. This hadith is muttafaqun alay. And we discussed this before that muttafaqun alay, it means that it is narrated by Imam al-Bukhari and Imam Muslim. May Allah be pleased with him. My beloved brothers and sisters in Islam. So whoever commits any evil action or offers protection to any evil doer who seeks his help in exposing himself to a humiliating punishment and the wrath of the Lord of the worlds. And one of the most serious deeds or the most serious of evil deeds that 
violate its purity is openly doing acts of innovation, acts of bid'ah, and spoiling the atmosphere of Medina with myths and false ideas, contaminating its pure land with a spread of articles which promote bid'ah, books which contain shirk, and all kinds of reprehensible and haram actions which goes against the Islamic Sharia. My beloved brothers and sisters in Islam, and you might be wondering, what is he talking about? Where do they come on these things? Alhamdulillah, Allah Azza wa Jal has granted me, He has afforded me the honor to live in Medina. Alhamdulillah, we studied there, we lived there for about six, seven years, myself and the other teachers included. And we had interactions with Hujaj coming from South Africa, with Hujaj coming from other places as well. And some of the literature, subhanAllah, that was brought in at aspects of shirk, some of the literature that we find amongst the South African hujjaj as well. Certain of it has a lot of innovations, a lot of bid'ah. And you will find that to a very least or a little, should I say, but there is that concept or that creeping in of shirk as well. May Allah protect us. So it is important that also when people give us books, when people give us salawat, and this we'll discuss a bit later. You know, you need to say this salawat when you're going to Medina, you need to say this salawat, you need to praise the Prophet Sallallahu in this way, in that way. Some of these praises, wa na'udhu billah, it is praises of bid'ah, it is praises that is not found in the Qur'an and the sunnah of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and this is something that we need to be aware of. And we will touch on this more as we move on with our lesson. Point number two, visiting the mosque of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, it is an act of sunnah. It is a sunnah. It is not wajib. It is not compulsory. And here the difference, or if we quickly explain something which is wajib, for example, salah. So, what does wajib mean? Wajib is that it is compulsory to do the act, and for example, like we mentioned, salah. If you are balir, if you are mukallaf, you are not sick, etc., and there's nothing preventing you from making salah, then it is obligatory on you to perform salah, the five daily prayer. If you do not pray the salah, then Allah Azza wa Jal, He will punish you and you will face the punishment of Allah Azza wa Jal. This is something which is wajib. A sunnah act is something which is recommended in the sharia. If you do it, you will get rewarded for it. If you do not do it, you will not get punished and Allah knows best. So coming to Medina and specifically going to the Prophet peace be upon him's masjid is a sunnah. It is not wajib and it has nothing to do with hajj. Meaning, if you go straight from Jeddah airport to Mina, straight to Arafah, straight to Muzdalifa, you do the Palatin, you do the Tawaf al-Ifadah, you do the Tawaf al-Hajj, you do your sacrifice, the slaughtering of your animal, you pelt the three days or the two days of Tashrik, you do your tawafu wida and you go home. Your hajj is complete. This is what is meant. Obviously, my beloved brothers and sisters in Islam, we go so far, so to visit Medina 
and to visit the Prophet ﷺ's masjid, it is of great benefit to us as well. My beloved brothers and sisters in Islam, all the ahadith which says that visiting of the Prophet peace be upon him's masjid or visiting of the Prophet peace be upon him's grave especially is connected to hajj or saying that visiting the grave of the Prophet ﷺ is connected to hajj then know that this is a fabricated and a false hadith whoever travels to Medina for the purpose of visiting the masjid and praying therein, his intention is acceptable and his efforts will be rewarded. On the contrary, on the flip side of the coin, whoever travels there only for the purpose of visiting the graves and seeking help of the of the occupants, then know that this is not allowed. I will repeat this. Whoever travels to Medina with the sole purpose of visiting the Qabr of the Prophet ﷺ or visiting other Qubur with the intention of them helping him with the intention of whatever reasons they are having, they know that this is haram and it is not allowed. Abu Hurairah radiyallahu an, he narrated that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he said, لا تشد الرحال Do not set forth on a journey except for three masajid. Al-Masjid al-Haram Masjid al-Hadha, meaning Masjid al-Nabawi, and Masjid al-Aqsa, which is in Jerusalem. Jabir radiyallahu anhi mentioned that Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he said, the best places to which a person may travel are this mosque of mine, meaning Masjid al-Nabawi, and the ancient house, meaning Bayt al-Atih, the Kaaba. My beloved brothers and sisters in Islam, I would like to bring an example. I'm going to explain and narrate to you an example of one of these fabricated ahadith. There's a narration which is attributed to Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. This is found in the book of the Imam, Imam Ad-Daruqutni, in his Sunan. Where it is re- reported that Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, Man zara, man that whomsoever visits me, بعد مماتي تزارني في حياتي Something to this effect. That whoever visits me after I die, من زارني, whoever comes to my grave after I've passed away, it is as if زارني في الحياتي. It is as if he had visited me when I was alive. This hadith which I've mentioned now, has been declared false, has been declared fabricated by many of the ulama, and many of them have declared it extremely weak. So this hadith cannot be used as hujjah. And when preparing this class, it reminded me that a few years ago I was sitting in a jum'ah, and here in Cape Town, and the Imam, he mentioned this. And he says, you know, that you need to go to Medina, this and that, and then he says this, Manzarani, that whomsoever visits me after I die, it is as if he had visited me when I was alive. 
And he quoted other fabricated ahadith that <clears throat> basically that whoever doesn't visit me in Medina comes on Hajj, but he doesn't visit me. It is as if he has shown disrespect to me, etc., etc. And Alhamdulillah, after the Jummah, I I approached the Imam and I explained to him about this. And his words to me was, yeah, but there's nothing wrong. Even if the hadith is not accepted, even if the hadith is fabricated, there's nothing wrong with using the hadith. My beloved brothers and sisters in Islam, I think last week when we spoke about mutawatir, correct? Either last week or the week before. And we mentioned and we said, I gave an example of the hadith of the Prophet, peace be upon him, where he said that, Man kadaba alayya, that whosoever lies against me, he builds for himself a place in the fire of Jahannam. And after that, I thought, okay, maybe the Imam no, was just caught off guard, and that's so I emailed him. I emailed him all the references, I emailed him what the ulama said and that, and because he said Imam, I typed it out in Arabic to him, etc. And up until today, it's been, I think, four or five years, I'm still waiting for a reply. My beloved brothers and sisters in Islam, why am I mentioning you this? That if we go on Hajj, you're going to come across this. You're going to learn things or you've learned things during these classes. You might see that your groups are doing things differently. You might sit in talks and you might hear things differently. Sometimes it's not worth it to go and even approach them and say that this is this or this is that because it's even worse for them that using this in inverted commas with no disrespect that a lay person is coming to explain something to me and they will just brush it off. Ibn Taymiyyah rahimallahu ta'ala he mentioned in, in his book Al-Wasila that all of the ahadith about visiting the grave of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam are da'if, they are weak and are not to be relied on in matters of religion. For this reason none of the authors of the books of sahih ahadith and sunan reported them at all. They were only narrated by those who reported da'if ahadith such as Imam al-Daruqutni, al-Bazzar and others. Here's a point I would like to add. If you understand this point, alhamdulillah, if you do not understand it, then it's not a train smash. Books of ahadith written by different ulama or compiled by different ulama, they had different understandings of how they would grade a hadith. So for example, Imam al-Bukhari and Imam Muslim, they were extremely strict. And maybe other ulama, they were a bit lenient. And this, my beloved brothers and sisters, is no surprise. In life generally, you will find that as well. That you might find an imam, you might find a sheikh, in basically in any field as well. You will find people that they are more stricter than others. And with having said this, that maybe the criteria for accepting hadith differed from person to person. And when we say that some of the books had weak hadith in, one of two reasons could have happened. The first reason, like I mentioned, is that maybe the grading system was not as strict as others. Secondly, Sometimes ulama of the past, they would just take a hadith and put it in a book without checking each and every hadith. And they would put in the introduction that this we leave for the reader, the student of knowledge, the sheikh that comes afterwards, that they need to go out and check a hadith. Because all that we did, we compiled this book and sometimes we compiled the book in a day or two. And I hope this makes it Sheikh Albani rahimallahu ta'ala in his silsila ad-da'ifa he mentioned this hadith and he said that this is a false hadith the one about visiting me after I've died 
He mentioned what is wrong with this hadith, namely that the man who is not named and classed Harun Abu Qaza as Da'if. He mentioned there is another fault in the hadith, which is that it causes confusion and contradiction. Then the Sheikh says that this isnad of the hadith is extremely weak and others have declared this hadith to be fabricated. The next point, my beloved brothers and sisters in Islam, that the Sheikh mentions, and this is important, that he mentions that many people hold the opinion or they believe that Shaykhul Islam Ibn Taymiyyah and other ulama, and I'm using the word in inverted commas, especially ulama from the Saudi region or students that studied in this region and they are branded or they are named as Salafis, that they forbid visiting the grave of the Prophet ﷺ altogether. This is a complete lie and fabrication, as we will see a bit later. And it is not only a lie about Ibn Taymiyyah, but it is a lie about our ulama as well. Everyone who reads the books of Ibn Taymiyyah and the books of our ulama will see that they all have the opinion and they all believe that it is permissible to visit the grave of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and not merely permissible, but it is mustahab, it is recommended. So long as there is nothing which is objectionable, so long that there is no bid'ah, there is no innovations, then there is nothing wrong with this. But if there is acts which is not in contra- which is in contrary to the Sharia, then obviously this ulama. They will speak out against this and this is normal for any scholar to do. So in conclusion under this point, traveling with the intention of visiting the grave of the Prophet peace be upon him, it is a bid'ah, it is an innovation and it is haram. Traveling with the intention of praying in the Prophet peace be upon him's masjid, this is an act of worship and seeking to draw closeness to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So when we enter the masjid, we enter Masjid al-Nabawi, what do we do? We obviously entered with wudu, alhamdulillah. We will make two raka'ats. We will try and get as close to the rawla as possible. We will make two raka'at tahiyyatu masjid. Once we have made the two raka'ats of tahiyyah to masjid, after we will sit a bit, we will make dua to Allah Azza wa Jal, make adhkar, recite Quran, if you want to. Or after this, you can get up, you can go to the hujra, to the household, where the Prophet, peace be upon him, is buried. Once you reach there, you will send salutations on Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, which we will look at a bit later in the class. You will greet, you will move obviously to the right. You will greet Abu Bakr radiyallahu an. You will move a bit further, you will greet Umar radiyallahu an and you will leave. If you want to make dua, you will face the qibla. You will make dua outside the masjid because they won't allow you to make dua there. Because it's so full. You will see for yourself. For those that have been, you will know. For those that have not been, you will see. My beloved brothers and sisters in Islam, touch on this again a bit later, but do not stand in front of the qabr as if you are making salah. And like I said, I will explain this a bit later. Bi'idhnillahi ta'ala. The next point. Praying salah in the Prophet, peace be upon him, masjid. Prayers offered or salah offered in the masjid of Medina, they bring a multiple reward. Both obligatory, the wajib prayer and the nawafil, the sunan prayers. According to the more correct opinion of the two scholarly opinions. And we discussed this quite in detail when we did the salah in the haram. And we're not going to discuss this again.
The Prophet peace be upon him, he mentioned or he said in the hadith which is narrated by Imam Bukhari and Muslim, one prayer in this masjid of mine is better than a thousand prayers offered anywhere else except Masjid al-Nabu, except Masjid al-Haram, and Masjid al-Haram it is a hundred thousand. Offering nafil prayers at home is better than offering them in the masjid. Even if the reward for offering them in the mosque is multiplied. And here my beloved brothers and sisters in Islam, this is for us when we in our household here as well in South Africa or where we in Medina. So the scholars have differed with regards to Medina and Makkah. Some of them say that you're in a hotel, you might become lazy. So just make salah in the masjid. This is where you're going to get your extra reward from. Others say no, it is better based on the hadith where the Prophet peace be upon him said, the best prayers are those that a man offers in his home apart from the prescribed prayers, meaning the wajib prayers. So your fajr, your dhuhr, your asr, your maghrib and your isha, your fard prayers you make in the masjid. This is for the men folk. As for your nawaf, you make at home. Obviously in South Africa, unfortunately, because we are working, because we don't have the time, and because generally our masajid, there's not enough time between the adhan and the iqama for us to make our sunnah at home, then come to the masjid and get takbiratul ihram. So obviously if it is in a case like this, then you have to make your sunnah in the masjid. As for after the salah, then you can make those sunnah, at home and Allah knows best. Last week we mentioned the hadith of the virtue of praying 40 prayers in Masjid al-Nabawi. This hadith was narrated by Imam Ahmad in his Musnad on the authority of Anas ibn Malik who mentioned that the Prophet peace be upon him said whoever prays 40 salahs in my masjid, meaning in Masjid Nabawi, missing no prayer, meaning he prays 40 salahs in a row. So this will be 8 times 5, 40. I mean, sorry, 8 days, right? 40 salahs divided by 5 will give you 8. So 8 days, yes. Missing no prayer, it will be recorded that he is safe from the fire and he is saved from the fire of Jahannam and he is free from nifaq, from hypocrisy. This hadith, my beloved brothers is extremely, and sisters, is extremely weak. This was mentioned by Shaykh Albani in his Silsila Da'ifa who said this hadith is da'if. He said that this hadith is munkar as well, which is a type of weak hadith. Shaykh Albani also mentioned in his book Hujjat al-Nabi, May Allah be pleased with the Prophet, peace be upon him, that it is a bid'ah to visit Medina and tell the visitors of Medina to stay there for one week, yani for eight days, so that they will be able to offer 40 prayers, so that they will be free from hypocrisy and safe from the fire of Jahannam. So here we understand, my beloved brothers, if you are there for six days, you are there for five days, for ten days. Obviously, our advice is make salah in the masjid. But you were ill, you missed the salah, you were maybe in Masjid Quba, you were maybe in one of the other masajid for whatever reason, and you could not, do not feel sad, do not feel, Ya Allah, I missed the eight, I'm not going to get that 40 salahs. No, this hadith is weak. And here again, I narrate to you another story. So, was a scholar came to visit us at my parents' home and was sitting and speaking and elderly man and he says that, you know what, I was walking one day in the haram of Masjid al-Nabawi and the sheikh, he was giving a class and the sheikh was explaining this hadith and it is weak. So, this Mawlana is telling me now that you see Right, we understand it's weak and yes, you must explain to the people. But you can't tell the South Africans this. He says if you tell the South Africans this, the South Africans, 
they are going to make salah in the hotel. So firstly, <laughs> right, I found this a bit funny. And what happened afterwards is that I tried to explain to him that no matter what, Right? If a hadith is weak or a hadith has issues, we need to explain to the people. We need to teach the people, especially if it's been widespread, which it is. Go to many Hajj classes, go to open many books. I will mention this to make the 40 salahs there. So it is our duty that if we have studied something to explain to the people. Secondly, I bring a hadith for you. Which is narrated by Imam At-Tirmidhi, Rahimallahu Ta'ala. <coughs> right, so this hadith is found in the Jami of Imam At-Tirmidhi on the authority of Anas ibn Malik. He mentioned that Muhammad, peace be upon him, said, Whoever prays for 40 days, whoever prays for 40 days with the congregation, always been present for the first takbir, it will be written that he will be safe from two things. Number one, he will be safe from the fire of Jahannam and he will be safe from hypocrisy. This hadith is sahih. This hadith is authentic. This hadith also explains the virtue that whatever mosque you are in, whatever masjid, whether you're in your local community here in South Africa, or whether you are in Masjid al-Nabawi, you are in Masjid al-Haram. Wherever you are in the world, if you make salah for the main folk, again, 40 days without missing the takbiratul ihram, Allah will write two things for you. Number one, save you from the fire of Jahannam. And number two, save you from nifaq, from hypocrisy. The next point that we want to look at is the visiting of the Rawla. And this, and we discussed the Rawla quite in detail, but it is prescribed for one who visits the Prophet, peace be upon him's masjid, to pray two rakaat in the Rawla, or whatever he wants to of his nafil prayer. Abu Huraira mentioned, and we mentioned this hadith previously, that the Prophet, peace be upon him, said, the area between my house and the mim- my mimba is one of the gardens of Jannah. And we're not going to go into too much detail. We discussed this last week. The next important point, and this is for the males, visiting of the graveyard of Baqi. And before we carry on, this is something I would like to highlight, that there's no way in the sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ that the graveyard of Baqi is known as Jannatul Baqi. However, in a hadith, it is mentioned that the Prophet, peace be upon him, he said that Baqi, or he mentioned Baqi as Baqi al-Gharqad. And al-Gharqad was a tree that used to grow there in Baqi. So, if you want to add something to Baqi, then call it, as we found in the hadith, of Baqi al-Gharqad. So, it is prescribed for the men who are visiting Medina to visit the people buried in Baqi al-Gharqad and the martyrs of Uhud, to send salams on them and to make dua for them. It was narrated by Burayda that he said the Prophet, peace be upon him, would teach them a dua. That whenever they went out to the graveyards, they would say, Assalamu alaykum, ahlad diyar min al mu'minina wal muslimin, wa inna insha Allahu bikum lahikun, nas'al Allahu lana wa lakum al Peace and blessings upon you, O dwellers of these abodes, believers and Muslims. We will meet you when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wills. This is a reality, my beloved brothers and sisters in Islam, that we will meet them, meaning we are all going to die. And then the Prophet taught them to add on or to end this dua. He says, نَسْأَلَ اللَّهُ لَنَا 
وَلَكُمُ الْعَافِيَةِ That we ask Allah to grant salvation to us and to you. The reason for visiting the graves, I've highlighted two of them. Number one, so that the visitor may receive a lesson and a reminder. Number two, so that the person visiting or the person that they are visiting will benefit from the du'as and prayers for mercy and forgiveness that are offered for him. Permission to visit the graves is subject to the condition that no false words are spoken, no words of which contains shirk and disbelief. Puraida he narrated from his father that the messenger of Allah said, Nahaytukum an ziyarat al that I have forbade you from visiting the graves, but visit them now. My beloved brothers and sisters in Islam, also it is not permitted to make tawaf around graves or any others. It is not allowed to pray towards them or amongst them. To perform acts of worship besides them, such as reading Quran, one cannot go to the gravesite and recite Quran. You cannot go to the gravesite to make dua to the inhabitant of the grave. Also, it is not allowed to build masajid over graves. The Prophet, peace be upon him, he said, The most evil of people are those upon whom the hour will come when they are still alive and those who take graves as place of worship. Narrated by Ahmad, it is also narrated by Al-Bukhari in a Mu'allaq report, also by Muslim, without mentioning the taking of graves as place of worship. The Prophet, peace be upon him, he also mentioned, he said, do not sit on the graves or pray towards them. This hadith is narrated by Imam Muslim. Sa'id al-Khudri also mentioned that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he mentioned that all of the earth is a place of prayer. You can make salah wherever you are, apart from the graveyards and the bathrooms, meaning toilets. Anas radiyallahu anhi said that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he forbade people from praying between graves. So yeah, my beloved brothers and sisters in Islam, we see that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam has taught us not to make any forms of ibadah at the grave sites. So you go there, you make dua, Allah forgive the inhabitant and you leave. There's no permissibility of reciting surah Yasin, reciting surah Fatiha, ayatul kurs, and all these things at the graveyard. These are all innovations which have been introduced in the deen of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And it is not permissible. It is also not permissible to prostrate on a grave or towards a grave. Rather this is idolatry and ignorance. And this is a sign of intellectual deviation and backwardness. It is not permissible for the visitor to the graves or anyone else to seek blessings from them by touching them, kissing them, clinging with any part of the body to them or to seek healing from its dirt by rubbing one's hand or face with it or to take anything from them in order to dilute it with water and washing oneself with it. It is not permissible for the visitors to the graves or others to bury any part of the hair or body or handkerchiefs in them, or to put their pictures or anything else that they may have with them in their soil or in order to seek blessings. All of this is not allowed. It is not permissible to throw money or any kind of food such as grains, etc. on them. Whoever does any of this, he needs to repent. And not do it again. My beloved brothers and sisters in Islam. That paragraph that we explained or that section that I explained now. This is not specifically for the Prophet's grave 
or specifically for the graves in Baqi al-Gharqad, but rather for graves in general, whether it is in Johnson Road, whether it is in Mowbray, whether wa na'udhu billah it is at these karamats that you find here. Whatever we have mentioned there, this is not allowed at any single grave whatsoever. And we find this. People put 10, 12, 15, 20 sheets on grave sites. People leave food there. People put money there. When we were younger, we saw this. And the Prophet, peace be upon him, the ulama of this ummah, they have written extensively, they have explained that this is not the teachings of Islam. It is also not permissible to perfume the graves or to swear to Allah by their occupants. It is not allowed to ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala by virtue of the occupants or their status. Rather, this is haram kind of besieging Allah. Right? This is with regards to tawassul. And it is one of the means that can lead to shirk. It is not allowed to build up graves or erect any structure over them. Because this is a means of veneration that leads to shirk. It is not permissible to sell food or perfume to one who is known that will use them for such serious wrong actions. The next important point, seeking the help of the dead or asking them for support or calling upon them and asking them to meet needs or to help elevate calamity and to bring benefit and reward of hardship this is major shirk and this is not allowed Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala he mentions and he says in surah al-fatir ذَلِكُمُ اللَّهُ رَبُّكُمْ لَهُ الْمُلْكُ وَالَّذِينَ تَدَعُونَ مِنْ دُونِهِ مَا يَمْلِكُونَ مِنْ قِطْمِيرِ such is Allah your Lord he is the kingdom and those whom you invoke or call upon instead of him own not even a kitmir. Kitmir is the thin white covering or membrane as they translate it on the pit of the date. So you eat the date and then what's left is the pit and you will see this like this white covering over that. That is kitmir. So Ya Allah is saying that Allah is your Lord. He is the owner of the kingdom. And those who call unto other than Allah, they make dua to other than Allah, know that these people, they do not even own the kitmir, yani that membrane which is over the date stone. In, then Allah says in the next verse, Surah 14, um, Afwan verse 14, In La yasma'u du'a'akum Walaw sami'u Mastajabu lakum Wayawmal qiyamati Yakfuruna Bishirkikum Wala yunabbi'uka mithlu khabir If you were to invoke them If you were to call them They hear not you call They cannot hear The dead cannot hear you And if In case and if they were to hear you, they could not grant you. They would not be able to answer your request. And on the day of Qiyamah, they will disown you on the day of Qiyamah. And none can inform you. O Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, like him who is the all-knower, meaning Allahu azza wa jal. My beloved brothers and sisters in Islam, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he also mentions to us in Surah Baqarah, وَإِذَا سَأَلَكَ عِبَادِي And when my slave asks you, وَإِذَا سَأَلَكَ عِبَادِي أَنِّي فَإِنِّي قَرِيبٌ Then say to my slave, I am close to them, أُجِيبُ دَعْوَةَ الدَّاعِ And I answer the call of the callers. So ask me and I will answer you. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in Surah Al-Isra, verse 56 and 57, 
وَلَا تَحْوِيلَ Say, O Muhammad, call upon those besides him who you pretend to be gods, like Isa, like Uzair, like others. They have neither the power to remove the adversity from you, nor even to shift it from you to another person. أُولَٰئِكَ الَّذِينَ يَدْعُونَ يَبْتَغُونَ إِلَىٰ رَبِّهِمُ الْوَسِيلَةَ أَيُّهُمْ أَقْرَبُ وَيَرْجُونَ رَحْمَتَهُ وَيَخَافُونَ عَذَابَهُ إِنَّ عَذَابَ رَبِّكَ كَانَ مَحْذُورًا Allah says in the next verse, those whom they call upon, like Isa, like Mary, like Uzair, like the angels, like those that he sees, like Abdul Qadir Jilani, like Mu'inuddin Chesti, like the Prophet, peace be upon him, and others, desire for themselves mean to access to their Lord, as to which of them should be the nearest, and they, Isa, Uzair, the angels, and all others, hope for his mercy and fear. Everyone that passed away, whether it was Abdul Qadir Jilani, whether it was Mu'inuddin Chisti, whether it was Badawi, whether it was Imam Ash-Shafi, whether it was Imam Hussein, whether it was Ali radiyallahu an, whether it was Hassan radiyallahu an, they know that all of them, they hoped for the mercy of Allah and they feared the punishment of Allah. But what do we do? We want to ask them to assist us. How? would they be able to assist us and know that the torment of your Lord is something to be afraid of. My beloved brothers and sisters in Islam, you might be wondering why, what does this have to do with Medina? And the reason that we've brought this in is that many people, unfortunately, They are oblivious of Tawheed. They do not understand the proper understandings of the Tawheed of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and it leads them to ignorance and it leads them to either fall into bid'ah, to innovations or to fall into shirk. And again, we've lived in Medina We've been there for six, for seven years. We see or we saw what people do. And obviously our love for our beloved mothers, for our beloved fathers, for our grandmothers, our grandfathers, our brothers and our sisters in Islam is that we try to take them out of the ignorance and bring them back to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The next important point, sending salutations on our beloved messenger, Muhammad, peace be upon him. Sending salutations upon Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam is one of the greatest acts of worship encouraged in Islam and it is one of the most beneficial supplications for a person in this world and the next. Allahu Azza wa Jal, he himself, he says that that indeed Allah and the angels, that they send salutations upon Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And we as human beings, we as the ummah of Muhammad should send salutations upon Muhammad Sallallahu alayhi wa sallam as well. What is the ideal way? Sheikh Albani rahimallahu ta'ala he mentions in his book Sifat al-Salah Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam the book which explains the Salah the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam he brings two narrations. The first narration says, Allahumma salli ala Muhammad wa ala ali Muhammad kama salayta ala Ibrahim wa ala ali Ibrahim innaka hamidun majid. Allahumma barik ala Muhammad wa ala ali Muhammad kama barakta ala Ibrahim wa ala ali Ibrahim innaka hamidun majid. 
This is found in Bukhari and Muslim. This is one way of sending salutations. This is also known as the Salawat Ibrahimiyah, which you make in your Salah. The second one is Allahumma salli ala Muhammad wa ala azwajihi wa dhurriyatihi kama sallayta ala Ibrahim wa barik ala Muhammad wa ala azwajihi wa dhurriyatihi kama barakta ala Ibrahim innaka hamidun majid. Again, narrated by Imam al-Bukhari and Muslim. So with these two, these are the two salawats that were taught to us by Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And the least that one can say, the easiest you can say, is Allahumma salli ala Muhammad. Oh Allah send salutations upon Muhammad. My beloved brothers and sisters in Islam, the Prophet peace be upon him, he mentioned to us, man salla. من صلى عليه صلاة صلى الله بها على وصلى الله على بها عشرة أو كما قال عليه الصلاة والسلام. The Prophet says whosoever sends one salutation upon me, Allah Himself will send ten salutations upon you. سبحان الله. Just saying اللهم صل على محمد. This in itself. Allah sends ten blessings back upon you, subhanAllah. The Prophet, peace be upon him, he says, that whosoever hears my name, and he does not say, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he is a miser. He is someone that is a stingy person. The next important point, and this is our last point, which we would like to highlight. What is the ruling on sending salams to the Prophet, peace be upon him, worthy pilgrims? Meaning, you are going on Hajj, you are going on Umrah. Someone comes to you, he says, you know, brother, sister, you are going, please send my salams to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. This action is not prescribed in Islam. And there is no one who did that during the first three generations of Islam. The first three generations of Islam, we discussed this before, I'm not going to go into too much detail, but it is the companions and the Tabi'een and the people after them were the Atba'u Tabi'een. This practice was also not done by the wise Muslims because anyone can send salutations upon Muhammad, peace be upon him, wherever he or she is. Allah has guaranteed that the salam will be conveyed by the Malaika whom he has appointed to do this task. This is their task. They roam around the earth as we will see later in the hadith. Looking for people who send salawat. Allahumma salli ala Muhammad. They take the salutations and they present it to Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. What comparison, my beloved brothers and sisters in Islam, can there be between this and asking someone who is going to visit Medina to convey your salams? Asking someone, right, a human being, we are weak, we are sinners. Whereas the Malaika, subhanAllah, they roam the earth. This is their job. They are sinless beings. They only obey Allah. Is it not better for them to send you salawat? Let's look at the narration. Abdullah ibn Mas'ud, he mentioned that Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he said, Allah has angels who go around on the earth. They roam around the earth. Looking for people who is conveying salams to me from my ummah. Then in another narration it says that they take the salam and they present it to me. Abu Huraira radiallahu an. He mentions that the Prophet peace be upon him. He said, لا تجعلوا بيوتكم كبورا ولا تجعل قبر عيدا. فصلوا and send salutations upon me. For indeed your salutations will reach me from wherever you are. My beloved brothers and sisters in Islam, this hadith, it mentions a few things. Number one, do not take your houses as graves. 
meaning make salah in your houses, your nawafil salah, your sunan salah, tahajjud salah, after wudu, etc. Make these salahs in your houses. As for your fard salah for your males, folk, make them in the masjid. Also, this proves that it is not, and many other ulama use this hadith as proof, that one cannot recite Quran at a graveyard because he says do not take your houses as graves and in your house you are allowed to or you are encouraged as well to recite the Quran. The second point in the hadith do not take my grave site as a place of festivity or meaning do not visit my grave repeatedly. So you come into Marina. You go into the Prophet's masjid, you go and you send salam on the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. You do not have to go there after every single salah. This is what is meant. Do not take my grave as a place of Eid. And the word Ada Ya'idu could mean also to repeatedly come there often. And then the Prophet explains why. He says, and send your salutations upon me from wherever you are. Whether you're in the masjid, whether you're in Masjid al-Nabawi, whether you're in Mecca, whether you're in Cape Town, whether you're in your house. Send salutations upon the Prophet, peace be upon him, for indeed it will reach Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Sheikh Uthaymin rahimallahu ta'ala, he mentioned and he says that if you send salam upon the Prophet, peace be upon him, from the furthest ends of the world, your salam will reach him. Because Allah has appointed angels who travel upon the earth. And if anyone sends salams upon the messenger, they convey the salam to him, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So if we are to say now, O oh Allah, send blessings and peace upon Muhammad, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, our salam will be transmitted to him. In prayer we say, Assalamu alayka ayyuhan nabiyu wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. And know that the salam is transmitted to him. The shaykh then carries on and he says that I have heard some people saying in Medina, my father asked me to give salams to the messenger, but this is wrong. The messenger of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he is not alive, so that the salams of a loving person may be passed on to him. If your father sends salams to the messenger, the salam is conveyed by those who are more able than you to convey it and more trustworthy than you, which is the malaika. And before we end, there was a narration that of the grandson of Ali radiallahu an, the grandson of Ali radiallahu an. He was in Medina at this particular time and he was at the burial place of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And he saw a person standing extremely close to the grave, sending salutations, etc. on the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And Ali radiallahu an's grandson, he asked him, why are you doing that, a bit of a conversation, and he says, because the closer I am, it is better for me, the closer I am to send my salutations, this is better, and his response to the man was, his response to the man was the following, that there is no difference between you and the person in Andalus, meaning, whether you send salutations from Spain, whether you send salutations from being in front of the Qabr of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, then both of them will reach the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Alhamdulillah, this has brought me to the end of my lessons. I pray and I ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to grant us success, to forgive our shortcomings, Ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that if there was any good that came from this lessons and this is through the grace and the will of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and if there were any shortcomings, any mistakes, if I've offended anyone, then this is 
through my shortcomings and also the influence of shaitan. Having said that, my beloved brothers and sisters in Islam, we also ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala through these difficult times that we are going through, that He eases our times that we are going through and also that He makes Hajj a reality this year. Our prayers are with you. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala through His divine names and attributes, through His asma wa sifat, that He removes all obstacles and that each of you that were accredited, that you go for Hajj. Bi'idhnillah in 2020. Having said that, please do not hesitate. All of you, we will keep the group open. You have our numbers. If you have any questions, you're more than welcome to pose it in the group or you can message us privately. Bi'idhnillahi ta'ala. Subhanakallahumma wa bihamdik. Ashadu wa la ilaha illa. Astaghfiruka wa atubu ilayk. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.